and welcome to Primary Care Spotlight, the podcast that brings you all the latest news and insights from Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub. Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub is delivered in partnership with Kerner Health CIC, working on workforce development programmes across the Cornwall health and care system, and we are here to support all those working in primary care. Is it correct that rates of C. difficile are quite high currently? Yes, um, rates of C. diff are increasing naturally. They are particularly high in Cornwall. Um, So we do deep dive investigations of one case of community C. diff per month. um, And we have identified some learning for primary care, um, which we can go through a little bit more um, later on. Um, So just to give you a little bit of background about C. diff, so one in 30 people are colonised with C. diff. So that's where um, it's just living in the gut harmlessly, but it isn't causing an infection. Um, It does live out in the environment and soil and things like that. And that statistic increases to 10% of people over 65. And unfortunately, 80% of deaths occur in this demographic in those who are over 65. One in five infections of C. diff are recurrent. So somebody who has C. diff is likely to get it again. And it is a major cause of antibiotic-associated diarrhoea. So if a patient is on antibiotics, they are seven to ten times more likely to become affected with C. diff within 28 days after stopping antibiotics. And the effects of antibiotics on, um, you've probably heard of the gut microbiome where you've got your bacteria that's quite could be quite harmful and a bacteria that isn't so harmful. So antibiotics can throw off the balance of bacteria in your gut and this can last for several months. So if a patient were to become colonised with C. diff um, in this time, they are at risk of becoming infected. So how is C. difficile transmitted? So C. diff are what we call a clostridium species. So they're able to form spores. Um, So that's a hard shell which enables a bacteria to live in the environment. That can be up to about five months. And then the spores will be passed in the stool into the environment. Um, And if somebody has a C. diff infection, they can have quite a lot of explosive type 7 diarrhea. And then those spores can be transmitted via contact. So, for example, if hand hygiene isn't performed or if the toilet area or a piece of equipment isn't cleaned. And then that bacteria will be ingested. (laughs) So this is called the fecal oral route. Um, So it is what it says on the tin. It comes out in the feces and then you will um, pick it up. If you don't perform really good hand hygiene, um, then you will put your hands to your mouth or the patient will and they will ingest it. And that's how they become colonised. And what are some of the risk factors of C. difficile? Um, So some of the risk factors, like I said, um, 10% of people in the over 65 age group will be colonised. So that's um, over the age of 65 is a risk factor. Any extended hospital stays and healthcare contact, which includes nursing and residential homes, any previous C. diff exposure with or without additional risk factors. So, for example, if you've got um, someone quite young and 19, quite healthy, um, they go into hospital for a broken leg um, and they were in a bay next to somebody who had C. diff, that would be previous exposure, which would be a risk factor. As I've discussed, antibiotics, so particularly things like clindamycin, clindamycin itself increases the risk of C. diff fourfold. Um, but any antibiotics um, can affect that microbiome and increase your risk of C. diff. Also, if you've got any comorbidities, particularly a history of gastrointestinal surgery or disease, um, if you use anything that suppresses the immune system, like immunosuppressants or even steroids, um, laxative use can um, be a risk factor as well for its effect on the gut. And also proton pump inhibitors, things like omeprazole, lanzoprazole. 
And obviously, if you've had C. diff colonised and you've got previous or previous infection, then that is a risk factor for getting it again. So if somebody has had C. diff, what are some of the complications of that? Um, so the complications of C. diff would be things like diarrhoea, which can lead to dehydration. Um, you can also get abdominal pain and nausea or symptoms of C. diff and obviously pyrexia. Um, but the more concerning complications would be things like colitis. And there's a specific type of colitis associated with C. diff called pseudomembranous colitis, and where the bowel gets incredibly inflamed and full of pustules. It's very painful. And that can lead to toxic megacolon. So where the colon um, gets ginormous, perforated colon, um, sepsis and and death there. There have been, unfortunately, quite a few deaths associated with C. diff. So how is C. difficile treated then? Um, So there is nice guidance on um, C. diff antimicrobial prescribing. um, But in addition to that, there are other things that we need to be looking out for. And so because they've got the diarrhea and perhaps nausea, just making sure that the patient's adequately um, hydrated with good nutrition. Um, From a prescribing perspective, making sure that any antibiotics that the patient's on are reviewed and changed if necessary and stopped if they can. If you've got any queries about antimicrobial prescribing with C. diff, please get in touch with your local consultant microbiologist and they'll be happy to go through that patient's um, presentation and recommend. You should also be reviewing any laxatives they're on and stopping them, um, reviewing PPIs. Um, Often PPIs can't be stopped if they're on other medications um, where you need to be on a PPI, but it's good to review. And also steroids and immunosuppressants to see if there are any um, adjustments there. We often see a lot of prescribing of anti-motility drugs. I will say that it is contraindicated if the suspected or confirmed acute C. dip because it can stop clearance of the gut. So if they are on any loperamide or anything like that, making sure that's reviewed. And making sure if they do come into the practice that you do have adequate infection prevention and control precautions. Um, the ultimate treatment for C. diff, um, some people do just keep getting it again and again, and antimicrobial therapy doesn't seem to work. Um, so there is something called fecal transplantation, which is, again, what it says on the tin, uh, which is where you get um, some feces, which is donated um, often by either a family member or someone who works in the hospital. It goes through rigorous tests to make sure that it is safe. Um, and also that it's got the right amount of the balance of bacteria that they want to be transplanted into that patient's gut. And it can be really effective. It's got some really good outcomes for people with recurrent C. diff. But that is a last case scenario, a treatment option. I will also say for anybody treating C. diff, just to be really mindful um, of assessing the severity of C. diff, because that will inform what antibiotic um, or other um, actions to take. Um, so this C. diff is either mild, moderate, severe or life-threatening. And that is all within the NICE guidance. And it's usually to do with how many stools they're having a day, their white cell count, um, or if it gets more severe and life-threatening, um, stools will be less reliable indicator because they might not be having any if they've got an alias or toxic megacolon, something like that. Um, so just to read that NICE guidance when treating C. diff and making sure that um, the actions and prescribing are done appropriately. And how do we screen for C. difficile? Um, so this is where it can get quite complex um, for people to understand and different labs have 
um, different ways of testing. So I'll just go through all of the different tests that might be done. Um, if you do send a stool sample um, and you want to test for C. diff, because that's what you're suspecting. Um, so there's an enzyme that's produced in abundance by C. diff called glutamate dehydrogenase. So that's um, shortened to GDH. And this is basically a rapid test that you're looking for when you're testing for this enzyme, kind of like LFDs, but just for GDH. And if that's positive, it indicates that C. diff's in the gut. But at this point, you're not really sure whether you just colonize with C. diff or you're infected with C. diff. So that's when they do a second test. Some labs do a PCR test, but not all. So they with PCR tests will test for specific tra- strains of C. diff that produce toxins A and B, but all labs will do a GDH test and then a toxin test. So that's looking for toxins A or B or both. Um, so if it's GDH positive, toxin negative, C. diff is in the gut, So that is something to be mindful, not only for your infection control precautions, but thinking, all right, it's in the gut, that patient is at risk of developing a C. diff infection. But if it's toxin negative, it means that C. diff is not currently causing an active infection. But if it's toxin positive, then C. diff is causing the diarrhea. Stool cultures can be done, but they they are rarely used for C. diff. It's good to know that... um, if you do treat a patient for C. diff um, and then they get better and then they start having diarrhea again, if that is within 28 days of the result, please do contact microbiology um, to guide the treatment and they will let you know if you want another sample taken. And also if you do get a GDH positive toxin negative test or a GDH negative test and they keep having diarrhea, please do send a repeat stool sample if the type of frequency of stool increases um, or if the condition worsens because that GDH positive toxin negative could turn into a toxin positive. Great and um what would be the advice you would offer those working in primary care around all of this then? Um, if somebody does present with, you know, abdominal cramp nausea, they've got increase in their stools, they're having t- a lot of type 5 to 7 stools, and you are suspecting that it could be C. diff, send a sample straight away. Sending that sample, making sure that they're on the right treatment is one of the best things you can do. Um, some of the investigations that we've done in primary care, we've um, seen patients that have gone 12 weeks without having a stool sample sent. Um, often they've got other comorbidities which could have explained for it, um, which is fine. But if a stool sample had been sent earlier, the patient may have not ended up in hospital, could have been treated more timely um, and felt better earlier. We do see a lot of anti-motility drugs like loperamide being prescribed. Again, if you are suspecting that it could be C. diff, don't prescribe loperamide because it can um, stop that clearance of C. diff. Um, and antimicrobial prescribing as well, making sure that you are prescribing the first line treatment um, for any clinical signs of infection. That can be really important in, in reducing the incidence and prevalence of C. diff. So often when we do deep dives, um, we see areas where antimicrobial stewardship can be improved. And that's not just primary care, it's acute care as well. It's across the board. Um, but that is one of the best things we can do to reduce um, C. diff. So there are obviously alternative infective causes of diarrhea. You'll have, you know, you you could have Shigella, you could have a rotavirus, anything like that. But if you send off a stool specimen, um, they will do a culture as well, which will come back in about five days and let you know if um, there's something else causing diarrhea. Um, And we have seen cases of co-infections where someone's had C. diff and they've also been infected with a parasite called Giardia. Um, So again, these more... um, complex to manage patients please do get in touch with microbiology and they will be able to help you 
And of course, there are alternative non-infective causes of diarrhea. So it can be really hard to assess. Um, but please do send a stool sample if you suspect it could be infective. And um, there is a site algorithm, which is in the C. diff national guidance, which stands for suspect, isolate, gloves and apron, hand hygiene and test. So if you suspect, um, that's your first step. Isolate wouldn't be too um, appropriate for primary care but what it really means is making sure you put in the right infection control precautions so wearing your gloves and apron and cleaning your room down with a high level disinfectant afterwards um hand hygiene so c diff isn't killed by alcohol gel um because it's a spore so you do need to be washing your hands with soap and water um if somebody has diarrhea or vomiting um or if you suspect they've got c diff or norovirus or after using the toilet and the T stands for tests, which we've just gone through. So the cleaning products required would be a high-level disinfectant, like your Clorox wipes um, or your PDI Chlor wipes, something like that, to be able to kill that spore. Great. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks. all today from primary care spotlight thank you for listening and i look forward to you joining me again soon for more information you can visit our website www.kernerhealthcic.org.uk forward slash cornwall training hub you can also follow us on twitter at cornwall underscore th and on facebook at cornwall training hub to speak to the training hub team about how we can help your practice or career please contact us at kernerhealthcic.workforce at nhs.net If you have content ideas or would be interested in being interviewed for the podcast, please do get in touch. Bye for now.